Hello and welcome to The Breakdown, your short, sweet, and digestible guide to public policy issues facing the country today. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. For more information on today's topic and just about any issue that you might read or tweet or post or hear about, just check us out online at texaspolicy.com. Today on The Breakdown, we're going to break down an issue that is unfortunately spreading all across the country, and that is homelessness. Here to break it down for us is Michelle Steve. Michelle is a senior fellow with the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and she oversees the foundation's initiative to transform homelessness policy, both here in Texas and across the country. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much, Brian. Really looking forward to our discussion. Absolutely. Well, you know, this is one of the things that has unfortunately increasingly more and more ended up on our front pages. Uh, It's ended up uh, in our news reports, both at the local and at the national level. Um, And we've all seen the the horror pictures, really, just going across the country. Is this as bad as you've ever seen it since you've been looking at this issue? Absolutely. It is. uh, It is so bad that there are places in the, throughout the country where the numbers of people dying on the streets, the numbers of homeless people are increasing by in the, in the thousands of percent. Mm-hmm. It is a very, very serious issue, despite the promise that it would be fixed uh, back in 2013. Right. And we're going to, we're going to get into all those kinds of issues, um, particularly, um, you know, just the explosion and kind of the, and what we like to talk about here is what is the public policy behind some of the reasons why, um, why it ended up this way, right? It didn't have to end up this way, but first I like to get kind of a sense of, you know, this isn't something people just, you know, jump into and say, I want to, you know, study homelessness. What got you into this kind of work? In 2006, I was uh, loaned by the organization for which I work, the California Chamber of Commerce, to a small uh, homeless shelter for women and children to fix their problems. They were literally on the brink of, of closing their doors, and I was loaned to them for a month. I fell in love after one day of being <laughs> there and uh, and never left, spent 13 years taking that uh, emergency shelter program for women and children and building it into an 18-month program that actually helped them change their lives. Now, what do you mean you fell in love you, you with, the, with the purpose and the meaningfulness of the work, or what specifically uh, drew you to it? The meaning of the work, the purpose, the, and, and the women and children. Uh, at St. John's at that point, there was 100 women and children. I got to know them all very well because I... It was right. My office was right in the middle of the shelter, and I just fell in love with this uh, this uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. I had to help people really turn their lives around and have those all those relationships still today. I'm still in touch with you know thousands of women and children uh, whom I've met over the the years, and in whom I feel very fortunate to have been able to serve. And now Michelle has written extensively on this, uh, tons of op-eds and done a bunch of media hits on this, particularly in the last uh, year or so. I mean, right here in Texas, you know, I'm in Austin and we have seen over the last two years just this debate explode uh, after uh, the city of Austin decided that it was going to, in its infinite wisdom, uh, end what's called the camping ban, which essentially allows 
individuals to sleep basically anywhere. There are some limitations technically, but, you know, having seen it firsthand here in Austin, um, you know, essentially allowed anybody to take over, you know, public parks or public transportation, um, you know, whereas before you would have law enforcement come by and, and wake people up and they couldn't necessarily be on the, the main streets and that kind of thing. But then there was just this explosion. I mean, literally, Michelle, it, it felt like, you know, I lived downtown and it happened. It felt like overnight, you know, in, in the span of a couple of months, you know, where we didn't see um, uh, uh, folks, you know, laying in public parks, all of a sudden there's tents and camps and all of that everywhere. You know, has that been the general experience? Is that, is that specific to Austin or or does that then the general experience with places that are having big issues with homelessness in other cities like San Francisco and LA? Well, it's certainly not um, unique to Austin, though Austin is a very unique situation in Texas. It has in, in between 2013 and 2020, uh, the unsheltered, I'm sorry, between 2016 and 2020, the unsheltered population in Austin rose by 93%. That is mm. a staggering number. Mm. And, but we're seeing those kinds of increases, you know, throughout cities in California. We're seeing them in New York. We're seeing them in Chicago. We're seeing them in, in the Pacific Northwest uh, and, and, and in places like Florida as well, but, but largely places uh, where there are, there is no longer a balance of power, quite frankly. You know, and I don't, I haven't seen the research on this, but and, and usually when people are angry about these new policies um, that that other people you know blame as for the you know as the reason for the explosion. I mean, is it true that the when that when these policies change, that it attracts? people to the cities. Um, you know, I'm, I, I could see, you know, people just kind of making up, oh, well, you know, Austin's a friendly, a homeless friendly place. And so, you know, a bunch of people are going to get on a bus and come from LA or San Francisco or Chicago down to Austin to be homeless. I mean, is that real? Is that actually happen, Or what, what is the real phenomena there? Well, the HUD data uh, and HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban Development is the uh, largest national funder of homelessness, and thus they drive a lot of homelessness policy, including <clears throat> at the local levels through which they distribute the majority of their funding for homelessness. Uh, accordingly, they require these local communities to do counts. And according to the counts, uh, you know, it varies region by region, but they would say, you know, maybe between 10 and 20 percent tops, uh, in a community that's really struggling with homelessness come from outside the community. Mm -hmm. That, uh, the HUD data, however, and we argue this in the paper we're about to discuss, uh, very, very significantly undercounts, um, we believe, the that issue, but also the issue of what underlies homelessness. And in fact, I just... Uh, watched a video yesterday from a gentleman uh, out of San Francisco who said about 80% of the people, and he's on the streets, you know, with uh, the people we're talking about and immersed in uh, that life. And he says it's about 80% who have come from outside the San Francisco region. So we know it's not nearly as low as what HUD says, but there really is not uh, any other qualified data 
other than, you know, subjective conversations like I just referenced. So it's not necessarily because, you know, the problem is bad and it just keeps kind of growing upon itself and getting worse. But there is there is at least some evidence that changing public policy can, in fact, incentivize or attract folks to come from other places uh, um, because they think they're going to get more services or because, you know, they feel like they'll, um, you know, have a better go of it, I guess, as, you know, being homeless is on certain on, you know, in, in San Francisco versus some other place. So it's not it, totally out of the realm of possibility. Absolutely. There's a plethora of anecdotal, uh, evidence, just not HUD based. <laughs> right. Right. So Michelle is the author of new research that we published at the Texas Public Policy Foundation entitled, what is fueling the U S crisis, the homeless crisis. Um, and before we get to that, before we answer that question, um, I think there, you know, as a way of, of background, kind of as we we jump into this research, I think it's really important for people to understand this issue of of housing first. And you have consistently sounded the alarm on housing first, which is a, a federal program. Can you tell us what that program does, uh, and and kind of the background on that? Sure. So housing first was designed back in the '90s in in New York in the in New York city to get the people living on the streets that they're often called the chronically homeless, uh, off the streets as quickly as possible because they were costing the system so much money, uh, with, you know, uh, police and fire intervention, also emergency room intervention, but they were also of, of harm to themselves. So the idea was, we can get them off the streets if we put them in housing where there's no conditions, where they don't have to really follow any rules, uh, sobriety rules, uh, engaging in, in counseling, rules like that. In 2008, the federal government adopted that approach. And, and let me step back and say that uh group of people constitutes somewhere between 10 and 20% of the entire homeless population. So, and, and I'll get back to that in a second. So in 2008, the federal government adopted housing first for the chronically homeless population. So again, the idea being get them into housing as quickly as possible. They may not go into that housing if you require anything of them, if you have rules. Right. And again, for that population, probably uh, made some sense, at least back then. In 2013, however, uh, the federal government took this policy, again, approach that was designed for a very small segment and rolled it out as a one-size-fits-all solution. So now we're giving the entire homeless population lifelong subsidized housing with no rules, no requirements, no conditions, and it has epically failed. It has failed at the federal level where under Housing First, which again, they rolled out in 2013, the unsheltered homeless population has gone up by 20.5%. Mm. It's failed in California, the only state that went all in on Housing First. They embedded it into state statute in 2016. And since they uh, adopted Housing First, there was a 47.1% increase in the unsheltered population. It has epically failed, not only at the federal level, not only in California, it's failed the homeless and it's failed the communities in which they're located. So not only has it failed, it sounds like it has actually made it worse. 
it has made it worse because if you think about it in the old system, when people entered the homeless system, there was a plethora of, of, there was a variety of options for them. They could go into the shelter system. They could go into transitional housing. There was uh, some permanent housing available, but with emergency shelters and with transitional people enter in and then they exit the system. Today, however, we're giving everyone lifelong subsidized housing. There's no one exiting the system. And because you can't, you know, build enough housing to sustain that. To su- uh, sustain that, we've created a, a housing backlog. We will never be able to house everyone who is entering the system on a regular basis, who is struggling with the issues that we'll uh, talk about here in a second, because no one is leaving. Right. And so that's and that's what I want to connect it to is that is that the not only these policies failing, but you say that that's because, you know, the policymakers have a misunderstanding about the homeless population specifically. So what don't policymakers understand? Well, again, we'll go back to the HUD data. The HUD data says that about 20 percent of the homeless population are struggling with severe mental illness, about 16 percent. And I should say the unsheltered population, about 16 percent with substance use disorder. I can tell you in the program I ran for women and children, which is which is often considered to be the cream of the crop of the homeless, if you will, we, 75% of our women were struggling with addiction, 70% mental illness, another 70% domestic violence. But if you, so according to the HUD data, uh, a, a very few uh, number are struggling with these issues. In 2019, the UCLA Policy Lab and the LA Times did a deep dive into uh, that data, the HUD data. And what they found was exactly... Uh, what we found at at St. John's, which is about 78% are struggling with mental illness, about 75% with substance use disorder. So we've taken a policy that we designed for a very narrow segment that showed, again, according to HUD data, that only 20% were struggling with mental illness and 16% with, Hmm. with addiction. And we've we have uh, introduced it as a one-size-fits-all, and no wonder it's not working. And we are ignoring these diseases that underlie homelessness. And that that makes me think that, you know, maybe there's – well, let me throw you a little curveball here. How much do other policies like drug legalization or defunding the police departments factor into the explosion in homelessness? Because I would think, obviously – access to, you know, even weed or other drugs and things like that. But then certainly if there's no, you know, if, if the idea is we have less police out there uh, to, you know, to, to prevent these folks from harming themselves or others, do, have you been able to look at any of those kinds of uh, policies in other cities and seeing if they are contributing to this as well? For the purpose of this paper, we didn't look at those specifically. And in fact, we we, we looked at a, a variety of factors and said there's some uh, that need more research. But what we did do for the purposes of this p- paper is we looked at the Wharton Residential Land Use Regulatory Index. It's a long, long name. Uh, <laughs> from the Freedom in in the 50 States uh, report. And we found that states that have a high regulatory burden um, 
often uh, have a much uh, higher uh, incidence of uh, of of not affordable of not having affordable housing, right? Okay. And if you think about that um, in terms of the regulatory barriers, that probably translates over into other areas, which we uh, alluded to in the paper. Uh, such as drug legalization and decriminalization. Mm. Uh, but we have not uh, done the, the research uh, in a detailed way beyond looking at Wharton. Well, having, done, having not done the research, I'm just going to stipulate that it can't help. Um, <laughs> we've got about one minute left. I do want to, you know, we are a public policy organization and we're all about solutions. Um, and so, uh, you know, to these problems and making real headway and progress on them. So what do you think we can do, whether it's at the state level or at the national level, to address these root causes of homelessness and really make progress um, in favor of helping people? Well, first and foremost is that we need to get rid of any uh, one-size-fits-all policy as it relates to the homeless population. We, we haven't talked numbers, but there's about, it, pre-COVID data showed there was a, about 1.2 million uh, Americans struggling with homelessness in 2019. There is no one-size-fits-all solution for them. We need to understand that what often leads them into homelessness is mental illness, drug addiction, in the case of women, domestic violence. We need to look at those underlying issues. We need to treat them. The CDC classifies these issues as diseases for a reason. These diseases need to be treated, including the trauma uh, that many of them have faced being embroiled in homelessness. We need to recognize that we don't need to provide lifelong subsidized housing for the vast majority of the homeless population. The, the, the vast majority with the right kind of treatment and the right kind of incentives can become self-sustaining. They can contribute uh, to their own housing. They don't need the government to subsidize their housing. But again, we are giving that to everyone right now, which is creating a completely unsustainable system. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for the breakdown. Thank you for walking us through that. And I feel like we really learned something here. Uh, Thank you for being on the program. Thank you, Brian. Again, Michelle's research is what is fueling homelessness? What is fueling the U.S. crisis? And it can be found on the website, texaspolicy.com. Thank you for listening.